Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. And I wanted to talk about the Warriors-Brooklyn Nets game. I'm a little late on this episode, but I think it's important to look at this homestand the Warriors just finished and realize they finished 6-1. and one. And that is amazing considering how badly they've been playing over the past month or so, to be honest, right? When they came back from their last road trip, I was like, oh, that first week, very winnable games. Second week, tougher opponents. But surprisingly, the game that they ended up losing was to probably the worst team, which was the Indiana Pacers. And I say they were the worst team because they sat, if you don't recall, (laughs) they sat their four best scorers. But bottom line is when we look back at this stretch of the season, they were six and one, done, period. You know, that Nets game, you know, I'd like to call that a, a a character building win, if you know what I mean. It was super frustrating. It was just a game of runs like the Warriors, they got up big and then they let the Nets come back and then they did it again in the second half. It almost felt like they had to win the game two or three times. The fact that Clay hit that big shot to put them up by four and almost ice it was huge, right? Like that was just great to see him, even though both he and Steph had been struggling, it was great to see him have that moment. And again, I said this recently in a previous episode, but there's something about a Clay Thompson three-pointer that swishes in, that just splashes in, which is just so different (laughs) from anyone else's three-pointer. You know, it's just so aesthetically pleasing, not just his shot itself, his motion, but the way it just drops through the bucket. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but to me, it just has a different vibe. It's the arc. It's the angle, all that stuff. But the Warriors also got lucky (laughs) because that foul call there by one after Kyrie hit that three. And then there was that foul on the inbounds. And then they ended up getting a dead ball free throw and then the ball back and then Clay got fouled. So they went from being up one to up four, (laughs) right? Then all of a sudden it's like, it's pretty much over at that point because, you know, if not for that, then the Warriors are in serious trouble because Kyrie looked like old Kyrie, you know, a guy that just hit every shot and that the Warriors could not stop. He hit that three in the final few seconds that he hit after Clay's three. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had traumatic flashbacks to the 2016 finals in game seven when he hit the game winning shot. (laughs) It was pretty much the same spot on the court albeit not an oracle. But like I said, Steph, he was cold again. You know, there was that report by Marcus Thompson, The Athletic. If you didn't hear about it or read it, he talked about how Steph has kind of figured out what was wrong with his shot, that he was shooting from his toes too much, not the balls of his feet. He wasn't getting enough energy and therefore his shots were going awry, left, right, all this stuff. But in the Nets game, he... Look bad. He was five for 18 overall, three for 10, six for six from the free throw line. He had eight assists and seven boards, but he started looking really frustrated. You know, he was getting knocked around a bit too and wasn't getting some foul calls that he would normally get. And you could tell it was bugging the hell out of him. So, again, it was great to see the rest of the guys pick him up. You know, Andrew Wiggins, he came out firing 
and he was hot. And it was probably a combination of him kind of hearing some of the chatter that he didn't deserve to be on the all-star team, let alone the starter. And also having just more confidence and going for it. That dude has become money from three. Overall, 10 for 18, four for eight, 24 points, eight rebounds, three steals, two assists, two blocks. That's solid. That is really solid. That is all-star quality right there. But as the game went on, you kind of knew something else would have to happen. Somebody else would have to hit some shots because I didn't feel like Andrew Wiggins was going to be able to sustain the percentage he was shooting the whole night. You know, he's not really that kind of guy. And they got a big contribution from Otto Porter Jr., who... You know, I've been singing his praises for a while, just as a true professional, as a guy who is actually pretty darn good, but had just faced a bunch of injuries in his career. Hopefully I'm not jinxing it, but like he's been relatively sturdy. He sat out a few games precautionary and just gotten rest that Kerr usually gives veterans, but he's super dependable. Every time he shoots, I keep saying this, every time he shoots, you think it's going in, whether it's a, a mid-range pull-up or a three from the wing, a three from top of the arc. I mean, he was six for nine, two for five from three, six boards, four blocks, 16 points. I'm just thankful he's so damn consistent. In a way, he is that veteran that the Warriors haven't had since the last finals run, right? Like a guy who had been a featured player, maybe not an all-star level player, but a featured player who got a big contract and can do some things, you know? He's just a little bit older and coming back from injuries. In a way, like he fills the role that like a Leandro Barbosa or a David West or even a Sean Livingston had on this team. Totally different player from all those guys. But like a guy who had major roles on other teams and could come in and be that solid vet off the bench who's been there, done that, and may not be able to play 35 minutes a game. But when you summon him, to hit some shots or to start for a while while Draymond is out, he can do it. You know, he can do it. That to me is like such a huge pickup from the off season. And when the Warriors signed him, everyone thought like, well, that guy's not going to play many games. You know, he's always hurt, but Hey, the Warriors seem to be managing his minutes and his health properly. So knock on wood that continues. Jordan Poole was aggressive again. He attacked the basket. He didn't shoot that well, and he didn't get the calls that he had wanted. He ended up on the ground quite a bit. But again, he is doing the things that the Warriors need him to do to be successful and to make a contribution. And I dig that. You know, that's important. The Warriors' defense is kind of what held them together throughout this whole game. And they've been one of the best, if not the best, defensive team almost all of the season. And it's crazy, right? They lose Draymond Green and Andre Godala sits a lot, but you know, they got an improving Clay Thompson who's getting better and better every game. And Otto Porter Jr.'s durability and also Jonathan Kaminga has been much better on defense than anyone would have expected from the beginning of the season. So there's a part of me that when you take a step back, you look at this team. You know, there's a couple things that are like head scratchers, like Steph's shooting, but they're kind of on target. They're kind of on pace. This is what I've been talking about, what guests on the show have been talking about, what other people have been talking about, how the Warriors, they started off strong, 
They were going to hit some bumps in the road when Clay came back. And you just knew that there were going to be dudes who got injured. You just didn't know who they were going to be or for how long. Right now, the big question mark is Draymond Green. And obviously, he's super important to this team. We've seen how not having him has hurt them in the past few weeks. But they found ways to make it work lately. And Andre Godala. Hey, if anyone expected him to play 60 to 70 games, then you're sorely mistaken. I'm all about sitting Andre out, you know, <laughs> like save him up, you know, get his brain to some of these younger guys, have him on the bench, have him in practice, have him in the locker room, you know, spread his knowledge, his wisdom, his intelligence, but sit him if you have to. I've advocated putting him on ice. It's a bit of an exaggeration, of course, but you know when you need him and you know what he's good for. I'm sure he'll come back, but take your time with that dude as well. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and over, minimum age and local requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN redline 1-800-889-9789 in connecticut call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in new york call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 jonathan kaminga he had a tough night again he had to guard LaMarcus Aldridge and then Blake Griffin after guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the Timberwolves game previously. And the Warriors didn't have Bielitsa. He was hurt. So Kamenga got the call and he played extended minutes against those dudes. And he, again, he battled, but he's just not as big or as veteran savvy, you know? LaMarcus Aldridge is very tall and very, very old and he knows how to play. He's very skilled. Blake Griffin, if you're smaller than him, even throughout all of his injuries and his being so broken down, if you're smaller than him and he's got a head of steam, he will just knock you over. So as strong as Jonathan Kaminga is, again, hopefully he's learning from this. And, you know, being on target, being on track for this season, we're seeing these other guys get that experience. You know, we're seeing these other guys play on national television. We're seeing them have major minutes, take responsibility, have increased roles so that when they're called upon in the playoffs, even with shortened rotations, they're ready. They're not going to flinch. They know what to do. You know, that's what you want from Kaminga. That's what you want from the other guys. But yeah, bottom line, the Warriors are six and one and other guys are helping to carry this team to wins. Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter Jr., Kavon Looney, Gary Payton the second. This is all good. You know, these guys are going to be all critical in the playoffs. The Warriors went six and one without Draymond Green and without 
for the most part, Andre Godala. I think he played like in one game when they got back home. And then kind of with half of Steph Curry, you know, he still does other great things and he still draws defenses. But obviously with the shooting slump, you're just missing those moments, right? Those moments that can just like kill another team, those dagger shots, those momentum swingers. A three-pointer just counts for three points, but we've seen throughout Steph's career how much pressure and how much momentum and how much that can just take the air out of another team. And without those, you know, other teams got more life, they got more fight and all that jazz. I do got to say though, JTA and Damian Lee, those are the guys who are drawing some ire from fans. JTA passed on that layup. It's not the first time he's done that. He was wide open. He got a nice pass. I forgot from whom, but he got a nice pass on, a, I think, a backdoor cut where he slipped the screen. But he was right there, right there. And then he passed out for a three that the Warriors missed. And I just I just can't stand that kind of stuff. You know, it's a mistake, but it's something where, like, yes, you're trying to make the right play. But come on, man, that is so obvious and easy, you know? The Warriors were up at that point, and it felt like the Nets were making their move so he could have padded that lead and had a nice dunk and gotten the home crowd all fired up. But instead he kicked it out for, for a three. So, and Damian Lee, sometimes he shoots well, sometimes he doesn't again, face facts. Those guys minutes are going to be taken by Kaminga's already taken JTA's minutes, but he's going to take them for sure next season. And Damian Lee, I'm hoping Moses Moody can do enough, improve enough to jump Lee in the rotation. If he's even still here. So now the Warriors have a decent stretch of relatively winnable, easy games. You know, they're at Houston on Monday. They're at San Antonio on Tuesday on a back-to-back. But remember, they did lose to San Antonio on the last back-to-back at home. And then on Thursday, they go to SAC. And then Monday, they play in Oklahoma City. And Wednesday the 9th, they go to Utah. Utah, which has been struggling. And as I've said before, I do not fear the Utah Jazz. Anyway, my takeaway from this is a lot of things that we expected for the season are happening, right? The only weird thing is Steph not shooting well. But if you look at the long haul, Steph, I feel, I assume, will get back to being Steph at some point (laughs) before the end of the season. And Draymond, knock on wood, will be back. I'm actually guessing Draymond will be back after the All-Star break, right? Like, leave him out. He's not going to play in the All-Star game. He'll probably be picked as a reserve by the coaches. But give him that break and then see where he's at after that. If he doesn't come back after the All-Star game, then I'll be a little concerned they haven't really said anything. He's supposed to be reevaluated after two weeks. And that two weeks is, I believe, now. <laughs> so in case some news comes out after I put this out, then I'll talk about that later. But no one, at least I didn't expect the Warriors to just blow through this season. You know, you expected some bumps and they're here, right? And they're improving and getting better every game. And the other guys are are getting confidence and playing time and experience and getting those reps and seeing those pictures, as we all like to say. So, yeah, I feel good about it. And hopefully we can string together a few more wins and make the Phoenix Suns start looking over their shoulder again. 
Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. And on Apple Podcasts, if you're down to do it, say some nice stuff about the show in a review. That'd be hugely appreciated. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.